and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the inevitable Matt. Hello there. Hello there, Matt. So, uh, today we are discussing Demons of the Punjab. We are. We are, yeah. Which I think should be a very interesting discussion indeed. Literally Um, just finished watching it. (laughs) <laughs> Likewise, we we um sort of, I, we had had an opportunity to, to to squeeze the recording in a bit earlier this weekend, so we just uh, we just went for it, didn't we? So um, it's, it should hopefully be nice and fresh in both of our minds. Um, but before we get there, um, how's your week been, Matt? It, it's been lovely. It's been lovely. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, happy birthday! There we go. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly remembered, just as uh, just as I, 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 those words were coming out of my face. But uh, yeah, um, uh, did you do anything exciting for your birthday? Um, well, I, I may as well tell you this story. I was saving it for my like story of the week. I know that you said I'm not allowed to do stories of the week anymore. <laughs> Uh, I, I just don't want it to become another formalised segment. Do we uh, have too well, many as it is? We've done it two weeks in a row. That makes it a tradition. Um, but on Friday, the day of my birthday, mm-hmm. I was going to work and I had to stop at Tesco's to get like a meal deal for my lunch. Yes. So this was about six o'clock in the morning. So quite dark. I was the only car in the car park. But yes. when I got out my car, just from the the darkness was a voice. Uh, and it was just shouting like, here, here, mate, here, you, you. And I was just like, oh, God, this is it. This is it. I'm going to die. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know what the the polite term is, David, but mm. it, it was a crackhead. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, okay. So he had... A single tooth in the middle of his mouth. He could mm-hmm. earn a nice living opening tins of beans with it, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, he was like, Where, where's the train station? I was like, you, you're in Tesco's car park. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it's about five minutes walk that way. And he was like, oh, I used to live there. And, and I, I was like, what? That, that's an Aldi over the road. <laughs> and I was like, do you mean you used to be in the prison? that got knocked down so we could build an Aldi. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've been looking for the train station. I was like, that prison got knocked down five years ago. And you've just been wandering, looking for the train station. (laughs) Right? But here's the big question, David. Yes. Six o'clock in the morning, what do you think a crackhead has for breakfast? Now, that is an interesting question. Um, From a Tesco? Yep. Presumably. Um, six in the morning, it was. Six in the morning. That's quite early. Um, I'm going to say just a Nutrigrain bar. Uh, you've totally misjudged him. He was yeah. having a four-pack of Corona Lager yeah. and one of those family-sized packets of wafer-thin ham. Oh. And he was just shoveling sheets of ham into his face. Like... Uh, as soon as I, as soon as he'd like walked away, I was just like, just put a note of that in my phone. I talked to David about that on Saturday, <laughs> but it was absolutely just mad. Yeah, that would that must be a very disconcerting uh, experience to have first thing in the morning. Yeah, 
So like, that... had you even managed to imbibe a sip of coffee at that point? No, no. My, no. my morning routine is basically wake up, have a shower, get dressed, get in my car, go to work, have my breakfast yeah. at work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the start of what I, I think it's fair to say has probably been the worst birthday I've ever had. I just spent a day, oh. just spent a day at work. And then my wife was on late, so I just kind of just came home. And everyone at work bought me a nice present, but it was a bottle of wine, and I don't like wine. So uh, I was just like, oh, great. That's, I, I, it, to this day, I, I can't... I never know what to, ha- what to do if, if uh, I end up being given a bottle of wine by someone. I, I was gifted a, a bottle of wine uh, when I got engaged at work as, like, a mm. celebration... And I was just like, oh, I'll probably put that in a lasagna. And that was all I could say. And I was just like, I just don't like yeah. wine. Um, but tomorrow, because my wife's working all weekend, but tomorrow we're going to, previously mentioned on the pod, Yoke, my favourite cafe. Oh, so I'm going for a treat breakfast. Good stuff. But that's yeah. enough about me. How's your week been? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, as I don't know if we mentioned on pod before or not, but my partner's birthday is, is, is adjacent to yours. Is she a day um, earlier or a day later? It's not today, I think so. is it? No, it's not. I think, so you're the 15th, are you? I am. Yeah. So she's, she's a day earlier, the 14th. Right. Okay. And that's why I, I always tend to forget about your birthday because I'm a little preoccupied. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we took we took a couple of days off work, both of us, so we could just kind of have a have a long weekend as a family. Um, so we've done some nice things. We went to uh, Thorpe Perrow Arboretum and uh, Birds of Prey Centre. Lovely. We, have you ever been? Yeah, I love the Arboretum. Yeah. It, it's where I go, like... <laughs> Again, I must just look like a depressed man. I just like a little walk around in the quiet on my own there sometimes. Mm. It's a lovely place to do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Little Absorbal Off was very taken by the falconry display that we got to see. Mm-hmm. I'll see who was there. Just in me- within two minutes of watching the bloke swing in the, uh, you know, ball of meat on a stick around, he was like, I want to do it. I want to go. Uh, did they let him have a go? No, because he's... He's not even three years old yet. Yeah, well, got... no, we did. We Falconries did to... are dying, huh? You've got to hook yeah, them in young. Well, to be to be fair, we talked to the bloke afterwards, and he he was quite taken uh, with with the little Zorbs because because he was obviously so enthusiastic. And he said, "How old are you now?" He said, "Oh, nearly three. Uh, and he said, "Tell you what, come back in ten years. Yeah, and we'll see what we can do. So who knows? We may take him up on that offer. Yeah. Um." But yeah, it was a yeah lovely day out. Excellent. Um, I don't think we've done a lot else that's terribly exciting. But uh, yeah, just it's been really nice to just have a have a little bit of time off work and uh, yeah, just hang out with the family. Lovely. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, meal of the week. Um, don't tell me. Let me guess. Four pack of Corona and a family size pack <laughs> yes. of Pakistan ham. Yeah, I just thought, don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> yeah, so I went big and just had ham. Yeah. Like, that poor bloke, he must have been so dehydrated. Just have some water. Mm. 
yeah there's um there's 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 thing there's there's issues to be tackled there for yeah. the by the sounds of it certainly um but yeah now tell me in all seriousness matt what what was your meal of the week um i don't really know like i say my because my wife's starting a new job and mm. she hasn't quite finished her old job just yet there's a little bit of overlap so i haven't really seen her so we have we've just been having like you know quick teas on an evening yeah um so you know like a lot of just tomato pasta and stuff like that um but probably nice one last night when i came home on my birthday to an empty house full of sadness uh she had bought me a steak and just left that out on the side so i cooked that up that was quite oh, nice. nice probably go from that although on my way home from work last night um i had to go to the post office to deliver some stuff and uh i won't lie david across the road from the post office Thomas the Bakers just, oh. just just chanced it as they were closing up. Saw if they had anything left and just got a mm-hmm. steak bake. That that was nice. Excellent. And since we're recording later in the day, I'll tell you for my lunch. I went back to Thomas the Bakers. <laughs> what would you say is your average weekly spend, at Thomas uh, the Bakers? I don't know. Just recently, like I've just fallen in love with it. Like. Uh, I was a little bit sad when I went today because they didn't have any cheese and onion sandwiches because mm. I went that early. But they did have the good old chicken and stuffing bakes back in. So today, my I would say my spend today was £4. I got a chicken and bacon sandwich and two chicken rolls. Very nice. Yeah. The, I, I don't know whether... They're, they're not quite institution status. No. Yeah, I don't think Thomas the Baker's, but give it a decade or so. Well, what, and I, I, feel what like... I thought was odd was last night, because it was my birthday, I put a picture of a Thomas the Baker's bag on our Twitter just saying, oh, guess where I've been. Mm-hmm. And one of the lads from the Cloister Bell podcast sent a message saying, whenever you go to Thomas the Baker's, do you always think of Tom Baker? And they were like, that's what I always do. But they're from, like, up north. They're from the heartland of Greggs. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, I didn't even know Thomas the Bakers was that far north. I know there's one in Darlington, but... Mm. Well, their, their, their base of operations is Helmsley. Yeah. So... that That's the best I, one as well. It's like a little mini deli when you go to that one. Oh, yeah, it's 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 uh, pretty splendid. If, you ever, if you're ever in Helmsley, yeah. it's, uh, that's absolutely a must... Do, do, L- lovely you walk th- you can do from Helmsley to Revo Abbey as well. Thoroughly recommend that if you're at a loose end. Do you think our like Doctor Who fan listeners really enjoy our niche Yorkshire references? I, I hope so. I sincerely it, hope so. It's more like an episode of Bloody Country File this week. <laughs> um, speaking of our listeners, David, do you want to say hello to Rod Henderson? Hello, Rod Henderson. Uh, he sent me a nice message this week saying he started listening... Really enjoying it. Um, so he hasn't quite hit the point where the, the, the pod nosedived when we went into <laughs> lockdown and I lost my mind. But uh, You've got that to look forward to. Yeah. So he'll probably be listening to this in about three years' time. Mm. Uh, oh, man. Is there anyone else you want to say hello to whilst we're on? Uh, I don't believe so, Matt. No. No. Do you want to tell us about um, your meal of the week? Um, well, you see, the thing is, Matt, I've been sat here 
kind of struggling to nail it down. Um, we went out for breakfast uh, on the morning of, of my partner's birthday. Not anywhere terribly fancy. Nowhere is as fancy as Yoke, I'm afraid. We ended with... Uh, by process of elimination, we ended up in Weatherspoons. Okay. But, I don't know, as, as mad as the owner of Weatherspoons is, um, you know, because I I, I I don't know how widely known this is, especially outside of the UK, but basically the owner... There's a pub chain called Weatherspoons, and the owner of it... Um, was one of the people who bankrolled the 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 Brexit uh, referendum campaign, uh, the pro Brexit side, obviously, and subsequent to that, he he's he basically prints his own right wing propaganda, yeah, and, and and leaves it around on on the tables in all of the uh, Weatherspoons. Not him individually, like he doesn't visit every one of his <laughs> hundreds of branches of Weatherspoons, but. Um, it's a very odd experience, uh, but th the flip side of it is, unfortunately, Weatherspoons is probably one of the the best casual dining experiences for vegetarians in the UK. Um, and th yeah, th no nobody does a more reliable veggie breakfast than Weatherspoons, so that's where we went. As a strong contender, to be honest, um, I. I, I, I I know the Weatherspoons you'll have gone to. And mm -hmm. I don't want to name names where we live. I'm, uh, I'm no. sure people will work it out because we always talk about very specific shops it's, and everything. But if you, if, you were, if you listened back to every episode and sort of just made notes, it wouldn't take long to triangulate. That's no. Sure. But there's so many good little cafes around there. There are, but the, the, the trouble with those... Um, tend to be one fewer options for vegetarians, um, and also just okay. It... You like to have a pint with your breakfast. That's what you're saying, <laughs> isn't it? It, it? It's not the same without you know a liter of bombardier or hobgoblin on the table. Proper right wing gammon beers as well. <laughs> Is Hobgoblin a notoriously right-wing beer? No, I was just trying to think of, like, a really strong traditional <laughs> ale. Yeah. I, I used I to mean, go to that. I mean, to be fair, that, it is what I go for. It is what I go I, for. I used to go to that Weatherspoons. Yeah. So on, sometimes on a morning when we were playing Dungeons & Dragons. Because you could get refillable coffees. That's part of the appeal, um, for sure. So, in the days before I was driving, if I was just, you know getting dropped off. I'd get dropped off there and get refillable mm -hmm. coffees. And it always amazed me that people would just be like necking pints at half nine in the morning. Yeah. Crackheads. Um... Town full of crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's commitment, isn't it? That is real commitment. Uh, even to, in to even be... in lockdown, when there was literally nothing to do, even when it was like a glorious summer's day and I could just sit in my garden and have a drink, I had the rule that the earliest you were allowed to drink was half past two in the afternoon. Because earlier than that, like, you've got to question your decisions, haven't you? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was okay if I was having a lunch and I had a drink with lunch, but if mm -hmm. I was just going to start drinking, you know, even then I felt guilty if it was half two. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, moving on then. Uh, TV, you've been watching anything interesting this week? Um, I've started re-watching The American Office. Have you? And it's a long time since I've watched it. I pretty much watched it on release. And then about a fortnight ago, I started watching like YouTube compendiums of like the best bits and the funniest mm-hmm. gags. And then I was like, all I'm doing is watching the highlights of The Office. I need to just watch The Office. Uh, so I started watching it and season one's a bit of a slog. Mm-hmm. Um, season two's pretty good, but season three is where it really hits its stride. So I'm on season three at the minute and it, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I, I never bothered with it because I don't. I'm not a big fan of the UK version, and I know the American version is quite different. But um, I'm not a massive fan of the UK one, and it, it's kind of it, it put me off when it was first being aired. Subsequent to that, I like, I've. I adore Parks and Recreation, and I know that is what not exactly a spin-off, but certainly in the same vein, was, yeah, in the same vein, made with some of the same writers and things like that. And it's made me think: I, one of these days, I probably need to give it a go. But it just sort of passed me by at the time, and I wonder whether maybe that ship has sailed. And if I have no nostalgia for it, is it really going to mm. work for me at this point? That's it. Maybe a year or so ago, I started a rewatch, but like I said, the first season is really hit and miss. Yeah. And then, like I say, once it's worked out what it is, it, it's fantastic. Could you even skip the first season, do you think? Could you just jump straight into season two? Um, quite probably, yes. Hmm. Um, I don't know, I can't remember. I don't think there's any big like, story beats in the first season. Yeah, I might try that sometime. I might try that. Uh, I mean, I've also been re-watching this week. Um, my partner and I, on a whim, decided we were going to re-watch Gravity Falls. Okay, uh, I've seen a few episodes. Is it's it, brilliant. Is it on Disney Plus? It's on Disney Plus, and it's actually it's one of those rare kids' cartoons that genuinely uh, rewards watching beginning to end rather than just dipping in mm-hmm. at random points. It has an actual story arc to it. Um, yeah, and it's, I think it's only two seasons or something. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty quick, easy watch. But I we haven't watched it since it was airing, and it was, it was released in the most maddening way imaginable. Right. Um, especially its second season, where it would literally be, they drop a couple of episodes, and then it's a three-month wait, and then they do one more episode, and then another month, and then three more episodes and it was just it was obviously all in the can and they were just trying to drag it out for as long as possible because it was two seasons and done mm-hmm. um and yeah it was infuriating so i'm quite looking forward to being able to just watch the whole thing in one sort of like straight through binge yeah have you watched uh, have you finished what if now uh, no, I, st- I haven't had, uh, I haven't had a lot of time to myself and, and, and really it's sort of, uh, 
because I'm the only person in my, in my house who gets anything out of Marvel stuff, I kind of need to find time when I'm on the Todd okay, to watch so, it. So you so, haven't watched Loki either, then I'm guessing. I haven't watched Loki, and I'm still uh, stuck at the 45 minute mark on Black Widow as well. Okay. Uh, if we can get if we can get this done and dusted in a reasonable amount of time, Matt, I might have half an hour free to, yeah, to squeeze well, in one. You never know. Days. You might even complete Mist this afternoon. Hmm. Extremely unlikely. You know, um, talking about reoccurring segments of our show. <laughs> just all the. Th- Imagine a show where instead of talking about what we've done, we just list all the things you haven't done. <laughs> Those would be very long episodes. Yeah. Ah. Right. I remember having free time. Yeah. It was that was nice. I, I, my free time today. I treat myself to a new computer for my birthday, mm. and. I think I'm of an age now where technology has passed me by. I've always been... I've been fearing that moment, Matt. Like, I know it's coming. I, I, gr- growing up as part of the internet generation, that was lovely. But I've just set my new PC up, and like it, it, it's a daunting task. <laughs> you know, like, um, all I've done on it is installed Steam... Uh, Battle.net and Xbox games for PC. But then mm-hmm. I just sat there and I was like, there's literally too many games. I don't know what to do. Because I've bought, <laughs> bought it specifically for games. Like, I, yes. Uh, I just There's so many games I've missed out on. I just want to play old games. Um, so, of course, the first thing I did was install Skyrim. That's always the test of a PC, whether it can run yeah. Skyrim. Um but yeah, I'm gonna. I'm finishing installing World of Warcraft, but it's like seventy gigabyte, seventy gigabytes even. It's just too Thank big. You. Yeah, it's a lot of gigabytes for sure. Yeah, yeah. I did put a thing out on our Twitter this week saying, "Oh, I've bought a new PC. If anyone wants to play some games, send me your like Steam logins." Guess how many people replied, David? Uh, one people. Uh, that is one person too many. Mm. Nobody wants to play games with me. I think they're intimidated because <laughs> they know how good I am. That must be it, man. Yeah. That must be it. Yeah. Speaking of games, David. Yes. Would you like to play the Wheelie Big Quiz? I expect it's probably time. Here we go. Wheelie Big Quiz. Now, David, you may or may not remember, but this week, all questions have been submitted by Mr. James Courtney. Mm, Yes, I do recall this being mentioned last week. Do you want to say hello to James Courtney? Hello, James. Okay. Now, I've looked these questions over, and I think they're relatively fair. I'm not an expert. Okay. But let's not blame James if you get zero out of six. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be on me. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So, the Wheelie Big Quiz is our annual charity event. We're raising a little bit of money this year. David, do you want to tell us what the charity is? We are raising money for Doctors Without Borders. Okay. So, the rules of the game are six questions in the vein of the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit game. And each question is worth one pound. If David gets the full six... His total rolls over to 
uh, £10 for the week. And he does have the opportunity to gamble with a little mini-game. It's a bit like a fruit machine, this, isn't it, David? <laughs> I suppose so. Right, so, question one, David, from James Courtney. Comes from the topic Time Lords. Okay. David, which story establishes without any doubt that the Doctor is an alien? <sighs> No multiple choice this week. Uh, no, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, I want to just say the time meddler. I can't think of anything beyond that. I'm going to say time meddler. David, I'm afraid the answer is the war games. Is it? Right. I, you, I'm trying to remember what exactly gets established in the time meddler then. But, uh, yeah, I, I will accept that for sure. Okay. So, David, that six out of six still eludes you. Yeah. Well, well we got that out of the gate early, at least, you know. Yeah. Don't be too downhearted. I look, can, when I was can... editing last week, I felt really sorry for you. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a big hug. I can't help but get too invested in these things. <laughs> it's the trouble. Okay, question two, David, comes from Companions. Okay. Okay, now, unfortunately, you've already cited this as a possible area of weakness this week. Mm -hmm. So whilst Karen, I can never, is it Karen Gillan or Gillian? It is Gil Karen Gillan. Gillan, isn't it? Yeah. So whilst Karen Gillan went on to great success as Nebula in the MCU. She did. Which Marvel studio film did her successor, Jenna Coleman, appear before being cast in Doctor Who? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, that is Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, didn't even need the multiple choice. No. Um, it's the, Do you know the scene uh, where... It's where they go to the, the Stark, Stark Expo, Expo, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and she's one of the, the girls they've, they've taken along on a date. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one pound in the bank, David. Yes, indeed. Okay, question three. Episodes and stories. With which first Doctor story did the production team stop giving each episode an individual title? Oh, this is a good one. Right, okay. okay there are multiple choice answers if you'd like it. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Okay, option one, the Daleks' master plan. Right. Option two, the Celestial Toymaker. Mm -hmm. That sounds awful, David. We're never watching that. <laughs> option three, the Gunfighters. Or mm -hmm. option four, the Savages. Now, the challenge here is that these are all missing stories. Uh... Because it's, it's towards the end of the Hartnell era. And... That's the point at which his a lot of his stuff starts to go AWOL. So it's not ones that I've seen. And this is going to just have to be a punt. Um, give me the options again. Dalek's Master Plan, Celestial mm -hmm. Toymaker, Gunfighters or The Savages. I'm going to say Dalek's Master Plan. David, the answer is the savages. Oh, damn it. Yeah, okay. okay. I was, like I say, it was only ever going to be a punt, that one. Okay, well, if you need to take a punt, 
It's years and dates, David. Question four, uh, your favourite. Here we go. Yep. In which year did the Three Doctors, episode one, first air? Now, it must surely have been, because it was the, it was the anniversary one, wasn't it? So it must surely be nineteen seventy three. David, is it's, it not? It's the thirtieth of December, nineteen seventy two. Seventy-two. Oh, so it wasn't quite ten years then. No. I always thought it was a ten-year anniversary one. Uh, maybe this it is, is and maybe is... James Courtney's a liar. <laughs> no, I'm sure James Courtney's done his research. Oh, oh, I'm I'm having a rough go of it this week, aren't I? Yeah. Right. Okay. Hit me with the right. last one. Oh no, we've still got two. We've got oh, monsters we've got two. and cast crew and beyond. Okay. Right. So I could at least uh, I could at least end up on 50%. Yeah. So, monster passing grade, but <laughs> in the time monster. Yeah. Sorry, the time monster and the god yeah. complex both feature a Doctor Who take on the Minotaur. Yes. Which film villain also connects these two horned beasts? Okay, read that question to me again. Right. The Time Monster and the God Complex both feature a Doctor Who take on the Minotaur. Right, yeah. Which film villain also connects these two horned beasts? Film villain. I don't know. This is a piece of trivia that it's just, obviously... I think I'm going to be fascinated by the answer, but I don't know it. So I'm going to just take a punt and say Darth Vader. David. Dave Prowse was the Minotaur in the Time Monster and the original <laughs> Darth Vader. In yep. the God Complex, Spencer Wilding played the creature. He was also one of the actors to don the famous black armour in Rogue One. The answer oh. is Darth Vader. You see, that was the that was the I, I, I was the only thing I could think it might be. So I'm. That was a pure guesswork, but I'm. Uh, I'm very happy with that. I, I think movie villain Darth Vader's a safe bet, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. If you don't know, then uh, that's a pretty good one. And I was just thinking, like you know, well, you know, obviously the physical imposing aspect that it was often you know more of a stunt performer in the costume than anyone else so yeah so it was a vaguely educated guesswork but uh, definitely still a guess so right so we've got one more question yeah cast crew and beyond okay in 2002 the comedy drama born and bred which was chris chibnall's first time as a showrunner mm -hmm. hit the airwaves the writers of which two doctor who stories also wrote for born and bred Okay, would you like the multiple choice answers? I would, please. Thank so, you. So they come in pairs. Okay. So pair one is Dalek and Father's Day. Okay. Pair two is the Shakespeare Code and Human Nature slash Family of Blood. Okay, so Paul Cornell's featured twice so far, yeah. Okay, option three, Amy's Choice and The Lodger. Okay. And the final one is A Town Called Mercy and Hyde. Okay, so 
just don't know. I don't think... Robert Sherman. Did he write much TV other than Dalek? He's mostly known as a, as a prose and, and a, as a playwright. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to dismiss option A. Um, so what was option B was Shakespeare Code and Human and Nature human, Family of so Blood. That, so that's Gareth Roberts and Paul Cornell. That seems possible to me. And then one was um, Toby Whithouse and Neil Cross. Also. 2002. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with that one. Uh, option B. So you're so going with the Shakespeare Code and Human Nature? Yeah, i.e. I, Gareth Roberts and uh, um, Paul Cornell, yeah. The answer is Dalek and Father's Day. Rob Sheehan oh, and so Paul was... Cornell. He did write for it, okay. They what? both contributed yeah. one script to the series. Wow. Okay, then. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, hats off to James Courtney. Those those were excellent questions. Well, having only earned £2 this week, David, yeah. would you like the opportunity to gamble? I absolutely would, yes. Okay. So, because you got two right, I can read you two lines from yeah. my notes. You... I've, I've got to hope we get, we get lucky with something specific, oh. like a very memorable cold open okay. or something. Okay, well, it's picked at random. Okay. And these are the notes. Yeah. It's Mike Skinner from the streets. He has lipstick on his face and is spinning round in a park. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah second line. There's a Just man in a it. tux with armed guards. They approach. The park is a hallucination. Everyone can visualise this. This is this is the opening of the Weeping Angels two-parter from series five. Uh, River Song's Escape from uh, Stormcage. The name of the two-parter. Ah, oh, there's so much pressure on me that is black. I would never normally forget the name of this story. I'm gonna get it though, Matt. Don't rush me. I will get this. It's just because it's a two-parter. It's which one is it? Yeah. Um, time of Angels. David, the episode Flesh and Stone Oh, bollocks. follows this episode. It's the Time of oh, Angels. Well done. Thank you. You absolute bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Just thought I'd try and see if you could have a heart attack whilst we're going. <laughs> Got very close. Listeners, I was genuinely... I had my eyes closed. I was pinching the bridge of my nose. Yeah. I was desperately... Um, you, you notoriously my... deal with stress very well, don't you? <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. It's a real hallmark of our friendship. <laughs> Oh, right. well, well, you pulled it out the bag, David. You got the full ten, <sighs> but the six out of six still eludes you. Yeah, I'm going to stand by what I said last week. The first time you get six out of six, I'm going to double it. I might stick twenty pounds in. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, 
I, I'm going to have to stump up some cash if, as well, I think. If I get six out of six, I think I, that deserves a bit of celebration. Well, uh, speaking of stumping up a little bit of cash. Yeah. Do you want to say hello to Ariel? I do. Hello, Ariel. So Ariel sent me a message this week and she's donated kindly. Um, she's given us £10. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And the plan is... I think she's going to donate little and often to build up to that £25, which is absolutely fine by me. I know I said £25 donation. That is a rolling total. Don't feel you have to, you know, have your children go hungry. Oh, gosh, absolutely not. But fantastic. Uh, Do you know if she's got something specific in mind that she wants us to to cover? Uh, I'm not certain, but somebody who does, David is BT Flibbity Giggard, who's given us <laughs> the full £25 donation, the first to do so. Ah, oh, fantastic. And in their own words, basically just wants us to read some old crap book, just as a, <laughs> a form of torture. Which one? Uh, they do say no, they're not yeah. cruel enough so, to make us read Lung Barrow. But I still oh, don't know it. what it is. That's like... <laughs> That's like a real-world version of Bad Wolf. I keep seeing this Lung Barrow everywhere I go. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it, but I don't really know what it is. I was going to say, Lug Barrow is still up for grabs. Right. If anybody wants to do that to us. Well, David, next week, would you like to know who your opponent is going to be? Uh, Sure, why not? Next week, David, it's a little bit of a handicap match. It's going to be two against one. Because you're going up against the Cloyster Bell podcast. Oh, okay. All right. Now, yeah. I don't know much about the Cloister Bell podcast other than they know their Doctor Who. They really do. They yeah. really do. Yeah. There's going to be some deep dives, some deep cuts next week. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm and, looking forward to that. And if, if you're listening to this and you would like to submit questions, just send us an email. Every week so far, I've just reached out really awkwardly like going... Hello, BT Flibbity Gigger. Do you want to send us some questions? Right? I don't have any favourites. If you send them, they'll get read. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. And it saves me a job worrying. (laughs) Okay? So next week, David, it's you versus the Cloister Bell. But... Looking forward to it. Would you like some good news? Of course I would. Okay, well, you might have to wait patiently whilst I load it up. Okie dokie. Do you want to say anything to the listeners just whilst I'm getting this up on my phone? Um, hello. Too late, I'm sorted. Right. Okay. (laughs) We have now reached a grand total of over £70, David. That's... That's happened fast. Oh, yes. So, I think last week I said we needed to double our money because we provided oxygen masks for children... Yeah. Well, on top of that now, we've got sufficient that we can provide dressing kits to 40 wounded patients. Amazing. So, thank you very much to everyone who has donated. Plenty yeah, of time it's... if you haven't. Like we say, don't feel obligated. You know, if you've got a no, few it's... spare coppers rattling around, we'll take them. Absolutely. It's... It, it, it may, it's... Um, it's... What just uh, I can't speak today. Um, let me try again. Uh, 
yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where it just what whatever you you can personally comfortably afford to spare, um, and if that's nothing, that's fine. You know, we 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 all have phases in our lives when, uh, as much as we might like to donate to to, to something, it's not a realistic thing to do, um, but. You're, those to anyone out there who's in that situation you're already donating your time <laughs> listening to this rubbish every week and we're very grateful for that too it's so lovely to know that people are out there listening to and, and enjoying uh, this nonsense so uh, that all being said Matt is it time for us to get a few uh, listener thoughts on this week's episode Demons of the Punjab it is and as I'd literally just said a few minutes ago, where you said hello to Rod Henderson, he's just yes. sent us a quick message saying it's one of his favourites. Definitely a good episode. Oh, fantastic. Um, and now I've just got to load something else on my phone. So you can get back in touch with the listeners whilst I'm doing that if uh, you want. Them. Okay. Um, right. Well, I didn't really have anything to actually say. Um I might as well describe some of the items on my desk. Too late. I'm, I'm, got, I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Oh, all right. You'll just, I'll leave it to your imagination, listeners. Yeah. Why, why don't you tell us one thing on your desk? Um, a Playmobil horse. Excellent. Right. So, <laughs> the first message comes from Amy. Say hello, David. Hello, Amy. Amy says, this is her favourite episode from season 11. She felt very bad for Prem and Umbreen. And her heart broke for them. Poor Prem. Right until the end, he thought he could reach his brother. It's sad how hatred destroyed them. I like the idea of the alien standing as witness at his time of death. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, just a heads up, David. You know, in the past, in between tweets, I've edited in you saying, Cool tweet, bro, what's next? Yes. And last week we got a cold take of you saying the Saranga conundrum. Yes. Uh, last week in between every tweet I just put you in just going, the Saranga conundrum. <laughs> so, surely that... I haven't had any messages, but surely that has irritated people. Uh, one would hope. Uh, one what should we have as this week's phrase? I know. Um... Playmobil horse. I'm going to edit that in. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, decided. Okay. A Playmobil horse. Right. The next message comes from James Swift. Say hello, David. Hello, James. James says, in my recent rewatch, I really enjoyed it. Again, we get a lovely performance from Yaz and the Doctor and a nice little speech from Graham. Mm -hmm. You'll notice there, no mention of Ryan. <laughs> yeah, he definitely takes a back seat this episode. He's stealing a living. Right. This was also a historical point that was something that I was unaware of at the time, so it's nice to learn about new points in time. Yeah, absolutely. A Playmobil horse. Right. Um, just going to see how many tweets BT Flippity Giggard sent this week. Oh, it's okay. I think it's just around dozen this week. Okay. Okay. That's manageable. Yeah. Should I take a deep breath, see if I can read it all in one go? Go for it. 
Okay, Jesus Christ, this episode. I adore this episode. It's easily the best episode of the season, and in fact, I think it's the best historical since the massacre. A first Doctor story that actually had a lot of parallels to Demons of the Punjab, and considering the massacre is one of my top five Doctor Who stories of all time, yeah, I'm giving it this episode basically the highest praise. The thing that makes this episode really work is the sets, the head of shovels above the Doctor Who historicals. <laughs> The set is head and shoulders above the other Doctor Who historicals is that it manages to avoid two of the common pitfalls of historicals. It isn't about a celebrity historical figure and it isn't mired in the angst of changing or not changing the past. Instead, it's a study of a significant historical period in history in microcosm showing the complexity and the tragedy in the partition of India through a small number of ordinary people within the time period. <sighs> The TARDIS team isn't there to change things. They and Yaz in particular are there to better understand both the past and present and to learn from it. Honestly, the first time I watched this, I was annoyed that the Fergarians were there at all. Uh, I lost my train of thought because there was a big word there. <laughs> it's a tricky I'll, one. I'll go back to normal. I just really wanted a pure historical, but over time I've come to appreciate what they were doing thematically. They underlined the point of learning from the past to change the present. Assassins that would become witnesses. I would actually love to see them pop up again. I feel like there are more stories to be told with them, and their design manages to go from frightening to strangely beautiful. The theme of radicalisation is done incredibly well. The relationship between Manish and Prem is both complex and heartbreaking. Prem and Umbring's determination to stay together, even when social and political forces seem destined to tear them apart, is simply perfect. And I love how the Doctor is brought in to marry them. Her speech about love is so simple and human. The strength of their love and their determination to keep it can't change the world. Sorry, to keep it can't change the world, but the simple fact that they're willing to commit to it is powerful and meaningful, even if there's no happy way this can turn out. It resonates so well in so many circumstances. I've seen a lot of LGBT fans who love that scene because of how real it is. The last scene between Yaz and her grandmother is so simple and yet so perfect. I love how this allows Yaz to connect further with her grandmother and her heritage, even if she can't explain it. I also love the little bit of ambiguity, with the older Umbreen criticising Yaz's henna in the same way her younger self did. It allows for there to be the connection between the two of them without making anything too explicit. I love this episode so, so much. Vinnie Patel has been getting so much respect for his other... And then it continues. I thought that was the end. TV writing, and I hope he becomes one of those writers who comes back to Doctor Who over and over again, though it's too early to tell just yet, of course. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. That's it for tweets this week. Well, um, as always, well said, Beatty Flippity Gigots, uh, and uh, congratulations, Matt. That was a valiant effort. Yeah. You were never going to do it in one breath, but... Uh... No, it just kept going. Yeah. I mean... I understand. I understand Beatty's passion for this episode, uh, and indeed, nobody had a bad word to say about it in those tweets, did they? No. Um, so uh, it only remains for me to ask you, Matt. How do you feel about Demons of the Punjab? Um, I, I'm, I might introduce a new rating. Might you now, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was all right, but just all right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's understandable. It's... I've worked out what is bugging me about this new era. Okay, tell me. Nobody in the real world talks like the characters in this run of Doctor Who. Like, mm -hmm. 
There's a bit where um, Yaz is talking to her grandma and she like goes, oh, tell us about the old days. And her grandma goes, no, I don't want to. And Yaz goes, your life is our heritage. Who talks like that in the real world? <laughs> like, why has everything got to be like some sort of big impassioned speech? Graham has about four in this episode. He's just walking mm. around giving life advice to everyone. The Doctor's just enamoured and amazed by you, how great everything is. And then there's just Ryan stood in the corner. <laughs> like, every conversation is just... It's got to be so grandiose, and it's just not. Mm. I, I sort of get where you're coming from. I think it bugs me less than it bugs you, but I, I do understand where you're coming from with that particular criticism. Um, I think... I think it is earned in the case of this particular story and the tone that it is trying to strike, which is overall quite a reflective one. Uh, what I will say is this episode, I, I think, have I ever expounded upon this pet theory of mine before? I think I must have by this point. For me, to your ideal recipe for Doctor Who has got to include four key ingredients, which are sort of like tones if you like which are uh funny sad uh scary and exciting now we definitely get a bit of funny in this one we get buckets of sad uh we get just a soup son of scary it's not terribly exciting yeah at any point like, not a great deal really happens mm. I, I know that the ending's quite dramatic yes but... yeah but it's 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 quite a slow ponderous walk to get to that point um which to be clear is not me i am i am nitpicking to an extent with this um i overall i really do quite like this episode it's i certainly think it is the strongest of the series that we have seen thus far um and it is also quite quite a personal one for me because it was the first episode that was broadcast after the birth of Little Absorbaloff. Ah. So it was it was the first episode of Doctor Who that I saw in my new reality of life as a father. Um so it it has a certain resonance with me, which means I find it hard to be terribly objective about it. And I am happy that it was a good one. <laughs> I'm happy that it wasn't uh, arachnids in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> what, if you're watching that <laughs> through teary eyes, welling up? <laughs> just like... That would have been... Uh, that I may not hold it in oh, the, quite such a special place The world is so beautiful, heart. just as they're <laughs> rifling through, like, landfill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's um, so yeah. It's hard for me to be totally objective about it. And, and also, I think the the uh, was it James Swift made the important point that they weren't aware of the um, yeah. I, the partition. I would agree with that. Like, I, yeah. I know a little bit about you know the expansion of the British Empire and. You know, the subsequent oh, yeah, and, and that, that post-colonial phase where yeah. he basically just took out a load of maps and just started drawing straight lines with rulers and assuming everyone would get along. Mm. Um, but it's quite... 
it doesn't get it doesn't get properly taught in our schools. No, we do we we do not as a country. We are only just beginning to really reckon with our awful bloody past. Well, I and... I think when I first really looked into this sort of thing, and I, yeah. I can't remember the year, but it was when Hong Kong was granted independence. Yes. And yeah. I just remember thinking, like, well, from what? We don't own Hong Kong. Surely it's, like, <laughs> part of China. And it was like, oh, no, no, it is. We, we just decided it was ours. <laughs> yeah, it's baffling, isn't it? It's um, So it is really, really nice to have the, that kind of untold history, at least from a British perspective, to have that being addressed on, on a television show that is a British institution, that is a core part of our culture. And it means it in some ways it, it kind of it forces the British public to actually look it in the eye. Hmm. And in, in a similar way to, I would say, Rosa, although that was American history. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people said that it's not taught particularly well over there. I think it's the same theme. Like, I, I, I know I personally had a bit of an ignorance about colonial Britain and yeah. you know, things like that. But yeah, I think it's just because it's the dark part of our history, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah, so it's it has tended it has tended to be excised um from certainly the history that we are taught in schools. Yeah. British history um, in schools is basically how good we are at beating up the French and the Germans. <laughs> Maybe a maybe a soupçon of the Russian Revolution, if you get lucky. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's really it, it it it's it's an important episode. I am so glad that it exists. I think it's a it's a uh, really significant contribution, especially for a first time writer on Doctor Who. Um, I think Vinay Patel very quickly made his mark with this story. Mm. Um, and one one thing I will say, um, yeah. over the other episodes, it, it's well directed. There's not, it's not just everyone's face really close up. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, even by comparison, it probably isn't one of the all-time great directed episodes, but it was a welcome break, like a nice slow-paced, just bit more drama than usual. Yeah. It, it certainly it makes use of the location. Mm. Um, oh, that is, way... One thing I will say, the setting is absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. That first scene That's... where they come out the TARDIS and it's like, oh, I thought there was a city here and it's just beautiful rolling hills. Yeah. I think it was part of their South African location shoot. Okay. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I, I, I want to say that was, that was where the bulk of their overseas shooting took place. That was certainly when they, they did uh, the Ghost Monument that was done in uh, South Africa as indeed was uh, Rosa. Yes. Um, which they did a fantastic job making that look like 1950s America. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is. It, 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 start to finish, this episode looks just so spiffy. Mm. In a way that Doctor Who rarely has up until this point. 
Um, anyway, I think it's probably time for us to actually get stuck into the story itself. So let's do that, shall we? Yeah. So this is Demons of the Punjab. This is episode six of series 11 from yeah. the 11th of November 2018. Now, David, if you want to join me in the TARDIS, we can go back to the 10th of November 2018 and listen to our episode, Monsters and Morons. Ooh, now what one would that have been? So it'll be series one again. Mm. But I can't... I can't actually... Oh, you know. Uh, save that for another quiz, eh? Uh, I may as well tell you. It's the long game. Ah, the long game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. One of our all-time great episodes, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Is that so? Yeah. It might not be. I just thought, let's just get them numbers up. Let's just sell old rope. <laughs> right, it is written by Vinay Patel and directed by Jamie Child. And as we've said, they both do good work. Well, they well do done, indeed. guys. Right, so we open with Yaz's nan's birthday. Mm -hmm. She's very grumpy and she claims to have been the first woman married in Pakistan. Yeah. And again, that shows my ignorance because I was just like, well, she must be like. 800 years old then. <laughs> Indeed. No. Okay, so she gives Yaz her grandfather's broken watch. Yeah. Or what we believe to be her grandfather's broken watch. And it must never be fixed. And then I've just said, why? We find out later. Yeah, I, I mean, were you thinking it might be some like crazy sci-fi thing? Like, it would unleash some kind of Yeah, I just demon. thought the watch is an alien. <laughs> I just went for Doctor Who's classic approach. Yeah, that is that is Route 1 Doctor Who right there. Okay. This is where Yaz says, your life is our heritage. And I'm just putting big red pen. Nobody talks like that. Yeah. Uh, Yaz then goes to see the Doctor and says, can we do a little nip back just to see my grandma when she was young? Yeah. Now, I, I, I do like... Now... It's not explicit. We don't get the Doctor, you know, doing a little slideshow of, of the Reavers and be like, oh, well, here's yeah. what happened last time. But um, we do at least get it... We get to see the Doctor being quite nervous about taking her... Um, her companions to, to sort of potentially intervene directly in their own family history imagine if rtd brings the reavers back oh, i've been be something i've been banging that drum for three years now <laughs> he could do it right so that man's going to be able to do whatever the fuck he wants with doctor who yeah I, it's it's gonna. i still haven't decided matt whether i'm happy about it or not oh, man. Imagine, just imagine the uproar when Doctor Who becomes a white man again. Oh! <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, they'll be partying in the streets, won't they? All the bloody losers. Good God. Right. Right, yeah. Uh, Graham and... this is. I'll read this note verbatim. Graham and Ryan agree to go too, just to remind us that they exist. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're just in the TARDIS going, yeah, let's go. It's like, good good to see you this week, Ryan. See you later. That, 
I do like there's a little bit of banter in the TARDIS, which I do enjoy where, um, you know, the Doctor's saying, oh, it could be so dangerous. And uh, Graham's like, what, what, you mean, not, unlike our other adventures? And the Doctor just say, saying very casually, look, I've apologised for the red-eyed death turtle army. Yeah. Um, I, oh, come on, Titan Comics or someone needs to pick pick up that particular dangling thread at some point. I think we all know who's waiting in the wings to swoop in there, don't we? <laughs> Let, let's not name yes, them. Indeed. But it rhymes with Fig Binish. <laughs> right, so they go to Lahore. Um, I can't remember the exact date. Was it the late 40s, 47? They were aiming for early 50s, I believe. Yeah. Because that's when Yaz thought her her grandma got married. So that's the date she, they thought they were aiming for. But because they were using the watch... Uh, in, in conjunction with the TARDIS telepathic circuits. It takes them to that strongest them. link. Yeah. Right. So when they land, there's nothing there. This is that beautiful shot of the country that I liked. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor gorgeous. has a weird headache. Probably just yeah. eating her ice cream too quickly. And <laughs> they bump into Prem. Yes. Who is on a wagon, pulled by a big ox, and agrees to give them a lift. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they want to go see Umbreen, who is yes. Yaz's nan. But as they leave, they're being watched. Ooh, sinister. Ooh. Sinister. So, there's a wedding going ahead. Umbreen is going to marry Prem. But Yaz is concerned that Prem is not her grandfather. Yeah. But has the watch. Mm-hmm. So, something's not right here. Okay. Uh, Graham mentions that they're English and they're told maybe just keep that to yourself. Yeah, I love the light delivery on that. It's, yeah, it's good. Okay, so Yaz is confused by all this because we see that Prem is Hindu, whereas her family are Muslim. And Mm -hmm. so she knows that her grandmother doesn't marry a Hindu man. Yeah. Okay. But this is where we get a little bit of the history. India's been cut into pieces through partition. And people are either rioting, being displaced, or being killed. Yeah. And Hindus effectively believe they have India. Muslims believe they're going to have Pakistan. Um, but it's not quite that straight. No, no. <laughs> no, the subsequent like 50 years of history have told us that's mm. not how things played out exactly. So the Doctor then sees the demons. Yeah. What do you think of the design of these demons? I really like it. Say, I'm a fan of less is more. Did they need 18 eyes? <laughs> and big shoulder pads. I, and big I, leather coats like they're in the Matrix. Just rein it in. <laughs> I thought, um, I forget which of our tweeters uh, said it, but they were bang on the money in that that same design through context goes from seeming quite sinister to sort of actually quite beautiful. Mm. You know, uh, uh, when you first see them, those those huge sort of spikes, um, you know, they look fierce, like talons, something like that. Later on, the way they're shot and with the softer music and the context for who they are and what they're actually doing, it, it, they're, they're, it's more like petals of a flower mm. or something. It, it's so 
I think it's a really clever piece of costume design. I actually really do like it. Uh, though it is definitely, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So they chase the demons who run away when uh, they are shot at. And when we eventually catch up with him, they've killed a holy man. We'd seen him earlier in the yeah. episode. He was the man that was going to perform the wedding. Yeah, he was He was like young people these days with your modern technology of... Horse-drawn <laughs> carts. Carts, yeah. yeah. Imagine, imagine thinking that Amish lifestyle is too, like, advanced. It's practically hedonistic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, he's laid killed on the ground yeah. there over his body. And the Doctor questions why Prem isn't concerned. And he says he's seen them before. Yeah. And the holy man has like a weird pollen on him. Mm -hmm. Like he's got this blue dusty stuff that yeah. shoots up And we all, the... we all just assume deadly space pollen. Must be. Yeah. But then we all remember Doctor Who's already done space pollen. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So this is the trouble you get when you've been going for over fifty years. Yeah, it's yeah. so like have you, have you seen the episode of South Park where they realise the Simpsons has done everything? <laughs> I, I haven't. I haven't watched as much South Park as I should have, to be honest. Uh, but, uh, there's a brilliant yeah. episode that I think is just called "The Simpsons Have Done It," and it's like, <laughs> oh, I've got so angry, I'm going to build a big shield and block the sun out, and they go, oh, like that episode of Who Shot Mr. Burns. And, like, everything they do, it's just like, oh, you mean, like, in that episode of The Simpsons? And it's brilliant. It's about how you, no one has free will anymore because The Simpsons has <laughs> huge influence over us because it's done everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, Graham and Yaz run for help. And Prem and Ryan, good to see him, go demon hunting with the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. They find a transmat doorway that takes them into the demon's lair. But it's yes. just a spaceship. Yeah. Nice design, though. Yeah. Again, like I say, less is more. I like that if you go back to last week, even though it was meant to be a hospital, everything being bright white and flashy, whereas this is really, you know, like, greyed and miserable. Mm. And I think it, it serves it well because... When we find out what we find out about those aliens, at this point it looks like, you know, they're like, it's all grey because they're like warmongering. But actually yeah. when we find out that they live really, you know, restrained lives, it makes sense. Definitely. And it, it ties back into what you said that, you know, when the tone of those alien changes, you know, the set doesn't change, but the feeling of the set, the interpretation of the set does. Yeah, it just, it just because, you know, the context shifts. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's clever. So the Doctor reads the ship's data. And what we have here, and I hope I pronounced this right, is a Vagarian hive. I think it's uh, Thajarian. Th uh, I spelled it with a V. So, yeah, Thajarian. Thajarian. They yeah. are deadly assassins. Yes. They targeted the holy man, and Prem had seen them in Singapore. So at the end of the war, that's when he'd come across them. They'd mm -hmm. killed his older brother. And they then find a canister which contains the 
polony stuff that had been on the holy man's body. Mm -hmm. The doctor takes it and the demons reappear and threatens the doctor. Yeah. I love that she just like just she's just like, oh, having a butcher's at that, and then immediately triggers an alarm. He's like, oh, didn't quite think that through. Again, we're getting these little glimpses of what this kind of doctor is like, and I think she's she is quite impulsive sometimes. Mm. You know. So I I feel like you know, in contrast to say, because um, it's fresh in fresh in our minds, uh, the twelfth Doctor who always exudes this this air of being quite cold and calculating and i feel like he wouldn't have moved a muscle until he'd already planned six moves ahead mm. we don't get that here so the doctor escapes along with prem and ryan and takes some of the transmats O'Brien, oh, um, I, I keep i wrote obrain but right at the beginning i put umbrain it is umbrain isn't it it is umbrain yeah yeah is adamant that she still wants to marry Prem. Okay. Yaz and Graham have a big heart-to-heart because they're two people incapable of just having a normal conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ryan and Prem arrive with the Doctor running behind them and she's setting transmats. Yeah. The demons arrive and say they still have work to do, but the Doctor transmats them away and has made a barrier wherein if they cross the threshold they're teleported back to these transmats. Yeah. So the doctor opens a canister and it wrecks her sonic screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Another weekly occurrence at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> it's rather. You know, if anything, one way we can prove uh, we can praise Vinnie Pratel Pr- uh, is it's the first week where they don't get injected with a communication device. So, <laughs> Yeah, we finally just let the TARDIS do its thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she decides she's going to do a- analogue. And she does some kind of weird alchemy. Hmm. And just when she seems to be making progress, Umbreen interrupts so they can have a stag and hen party. Yeah. And as part of the hen party, Umbreen asks the Doctor to officiate the wedding. Obviously, there's no holy man present anymore. And most people are unwilling to marry between Hindu and Muslim. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, we haven't really mentioned him yet, but uh, Prem's got an angry little brother called Manish, who is angry about everything, especially partition. Yes, yeah. Um, Really interesting... Obviously, very necessary character for the plot, but I think it's it's not hard to look at a character like that and then think about where we are today, and you know things like QAnon and stuff like that. Yeah. that how how easy it is for people to become radicalized and 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 dug into an us versus them mentality especially when they are in a situation that feels unstable and scary. Um, so it, 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 I think it's a really good, understated portrayal of the dangers and the sadness of, of radicalisation. How it can 
take change someone to the point of being unrecognisable. As Prem says a couple of times in this episode, like he barely recognises the Manesh that he, he had that he's you know, in front of him now compared to his his baby brother, as he calls him, that that he left before he went to fight in the war. Mm. Um. Yeah, I it's one of my favourite aspects of this episode, to be honest. So, eventually, the transmat lock begins to fail, and the Doctor is taken back to the demon ship. Yes. They claim they are not assassins. Their species, their society has evolved from there, and they claim now to be witnesses. So, back in their warmongering days, their planet was destroyed, and the pollen is all that remains of their planet and the dead of their species. I think so, yes. We were getting the exposition on them. Yeah. yeah, so their planet, their dead, exist as this pollen, and now they seek what they call the unacknowledged dead. Those who mm. die alone. They are there to witness their passing. Now, this is a, a really interesting... First of all, this only struck me on this watch-through... But it wouldn't be hard to headcanon the loss of their planet as being perhaps in some way related to the Time War. Mm. It feels like, you know, it's on that scale, isn't it? And I'm sure there would have been factions within the Time War that would have had a lot of use for, for, for a race of, you know, uh, intergalactic assassins. Um, but yeah, that, that idea of unacknowledged death that's a really interesting thing and and you know presented in the context of this story i mean it's not subtle no <laughs> but but yeah ab absolutely it, it, it you know relates right back to what we were talking about earlier that that our culture has not historically done a good job of addressing some of the harm it's caused mm. in uh, what is living memory for some people? You know, we're not we're not winding the clock back that far here, really. No, no, within the last hundred years. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, yeah, right on. And it, and again, that thing that we talked about it, it the, 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 by immediately shifting the focus. Now, I don't know if you noticed in this uh, in this scene. The moment the penny drops for the doctor, she actually adopts the hand gesture that the that the Thajarians are doing. They've got their hands sort of crossed against their chests. Right. Okay. No, I and didn't she, notice that. When 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 she starts to hear their story, she like almost and the way Jodie Whittaker plays it, it seems to be almost subconscious. Yeah. Like the like the doctor is just um, just in. in empathically absorbing uh, that information. So, uh, yeah, a really interesting moment. Um, and it's, it, you know, sooner or later you hit a point with every Doctor Who story where everyone's just got to shut up and listen to the guest characters so they can do a bit of exposition. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you hit that point every time and it can be done well, it can be done really badly. I think this is done really well. because Not because 
the 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 not because the the, the text itself is particularly clever, but the way in it's an unusual twist. In I guess the last time we saw it was actually not too long ago was um, uh, twice upon a time, you know where the doctor says. Oh, it's not an evil plan. I don't know what to do if it's yeah. not an evil plan. Yeah. We kind of get that again here, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really, I really like that. Right. So they end by saying, you know, they're here for those that will pass as a result of the partition, including Prem, who will die soon. The Doctor asks how the Holy Man died, and we don't get that answer just yet. No. Okay. So the Doctor comes back to the team, tells Yaz that Prem's going to die and ultimately must die for Yaz to exist. And again, this is like the dialogue where I was just like, what is this? Because she's like going, you know, we can't have a world where you don't exist. You've got to exist. You exist. And I was just like, right, yes, we we know that. That's been established. Just keep Mm. going. Okay. So, Yaz works out that's why her nan never talks about the past, because Prem is going to die on their wedding day. Yeah. Okay. The wedding begins. Prem is a little bit mad that nothing's been learnt from war. You know, people are still mindlessly violent towards one another. Uh, Graham does another big speech. Always good to have. I... You're being very dismissive of this one, but I'll be honest, I really like it. Um, you know, it, there's a simplicity to it where, where, you know, he says, all we can aspire to is to be good men. And do you know what? I think that's a message a lot of people need to hear. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, and again, it's. I feel like we end up saying this every week, but Bradley Walsh, his he he plays Graham in such an understated, natural way. He just nails it. The only thing I don't like is he calls the Doctor Doc all the time. Uh, yeah, I read in an interview that was that was kind of his choice, right? Because he felt like, you know, he's playing Graham pretty much as it. it not not a million miles away from him himself. So he's, you know, he's an old school Cockney geezer, mm. and everybody has a nickname. If you're an old school Cockney, well, I suppose geezer. especially if you're a bus driver. Yeah. So I don't think it's a stretch that he calls him. He calls a duck. So the wedding begins. Uh, the doctor performs the ceremony, and Yaz binds their hands. Yeah. Right. Which is a pretty significant event for her grandmother not to remember Yaz in the future. <laughs> I, I appreciate yeah. there's a leaping logic that you have to like go. Oh wait, you were you were there seventy odd years ago or whatever. I I mean I don't know whether I'm a good good sort of baseline, but I. I don't think I could describe the facial features of anyone that I met and haven't seen for you know for, for intervening sort of 20 odd years do you know what i mean like it, it was a long time ago here's and... a good example when when we used to play dungeons and dragons 
Yes. One of the first people we played with was a guy called Paul. Can you remember what he looks like? No. No. Now that you said it, I was like, I can't either. Yeah. So, in all honesty, I don't think it is too much of a stretch. It's not like she has photos mm. from that day. Um, and uh, furthermore, there is a little tease towards the end, which we haven't got to yet, yeah. which just that, uh, you know... And I suppose even I, I, can't, I can't remember the registrar from my wedding. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like... you. you you recognise faces if you've got the opportunity to practice recognising them. And uh, the other thing to bear in mind is she's watched Yaz's, Yaz's face develop as she has grown yeah. up over her whole life, you know. So it's not like she had one kind of fixed... Yaz is just Yaz to her. Mm. Right. Um, so Umbreen tries to make peace with everyone, but Manish still hates her and runs off. Yeah. Uh, Prem hands her the watch, but drops it, and it breaks. Yeah. So we see how the watch got broken, but yes. Umbreen accepts it. You know, says it's stopped at this moment in time for a reason. This is our time. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Manish killed the holy man because he didn't want anybody to marry between Hindus and Muslims. Mm-hmm. And at this point, armed men arrive to back up Manish. Yeah. And we get a little little bit where Umbreen has a world map on the wall. And she says, oh, you know, I've picked anywhere on the world to go live. And I'm going to go to Sheffield. So we know how she wound up there. Yeah. I love that she says it's such an exotic name. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Prem says that he wants to face the mob alone and does. And, you know, he tries to reason with them. Yeah. And he, re- uh, he says he, he even fought alongside one of them in the war. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So he um, remains, you know, quite noble towards the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden the demons appear. So we know they're going to watch over his passing. Yeah. Okay, so Prem is shot, and when he is, he's added to the canister. Okay, and then we get a nice little bit to tie it up where, you know, Yaz, despite this being quite, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, tumultuous time. Traumatic even. Yeah, because her nana has had to flee her own wedding. Yaz mm. at least has the satisfaction of knowing that her nan gets away okay. Yeah. And back in the present, she has a little chat with her nan and basically says that she doesn't need to know about the watch anymore. She doesn't want to know. Mm. Yeah. It's nice. I, I, I mean, it does bring me to the one other thing which I meant to mention, didn't mention earlier, and I don't want us to end on a, on a downer, but I do think it's worth pointing out. We've, we have already talked about how juggling three companions it's felt like none of them have really been particularly well rounded out we haven't really gotten to know any of them in any depth in some ways you feel like this should have been yaz's episode and yet do you really come away feeling like we know yaz any better than we did beforehand no not massively she's she's kind of ends up a bit sidelined in her in essentially a story that should 
should be all about her, like her response to this. Mm. Um, uh, but it, uh, like I say, again, that is a nitpick, a nitpick. Um, but I, but I do feel like it's worth mentioning. Uh, overall, this is this is a very good story. It is. I would argue it's certainly got to be in the conversation as one of the best historical episodes Doctor Who has ever done. Right. Period. Um, if only, if only because it is shining a light on on a period of history that does not get talked about enough, and it does so in a way that is sensitive, and and doesn't shy away from the reality. Like it's not like. The, the inevitability of Prem's death, the Doctor can't swoop in and save him. The, the, this is it, you know, and this was the lived, this was this was the reality for so many people. Yes, yeah. Um, in that period, um, it would be cheap and dishonest to kind of find some kind of special you know, way out of it for this one particular character just because they had the luxury of appearing in a television show where we got to go them for 45 minutes, yeah. you know? Um, and and that gives it a realness and an honesty that isn't always there in some of the historical episodes. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's, it's not a perfect episode, but it, it feels significant and important... And worth our time. One, one thing I would add is I like at the end how the music segues into the theme. Yes. Yeah, you know what? We haven't talked I, at all about Sega Nakanola's scoring in this episode. I, I never know what his name is. I've written Sega Mega Drive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, the music, and then I've just put, he needs yeah. a pat on the back, Sega Mega Drive. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, he is, he, his work is fantastic in this story throughout. Uh, the use of tabla, which is that um, Indian hand drum. Yeah, when it's ramping up it's, tension. Yeah, it, it's such a, it's such a recognisable tone, and it's one of my favourite instruments. I just it, oh, I love it, and it's used so well in this it, throughout this episode. And yeah, that that that. That special arrangement of the Doctor Who theme at the end with the vo- with the vocalizations and oh yeah, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. So um, and so much more effective than the than the music on the at the end of Rosa. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, strongest episode of the series so far for me, without a doubt. I don't know if you're willing to know your colours to the mask there or not. I don't know. Um, it's either this one or Rosa for me. Let me have a look. Yeah. No, not the Saranga Conundrum. Not Arachnids in the UK. What, what about Woman Who Fell to Earth, the first one? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I quite like the Ghost Monument, just as a little adventure. Yeah. I will say, I don't think anything, any of them have been terrible. Yeah. No, like we, like we, I say, we, like it it's just fine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um but you know, we we we're, we're kind of at the halfway point at this at this point or nearly. Um like what what's the arc here? Like Yeah, we don't have a sort of like Where's the bad wolf? Where's the big bad yeah. in the background? 
Yeah, we haven't seen much uh, much hint of that yet, have we? No. Um, I bet it gets so to the last episode and it's just like, oh, Daleks, here we go. You know? <laughs> if it, Who can say? If in doubt, just, just some Cybermen or something, just... Mm. Yeah, worth worth noting. We've not had any returning monsters yet. No. All brand new for this series so far. I, I think it's going to be something like, you know, next week the Doctor goes to Aldi and the shopping's getting put through too quick. You know how their cashiers are really quick. But it's too quick. And she looks and it's just a Cyberman in a tabard. Just like... <laughs> and then she looks around and everyone's a Cyberman in a tabard. Well, should I tell should I tell you the name of the next episode? What? Kablam. Great. With an exclamation mark. Great. I bet that's going to be one of those jokes that Doctor Who thinks is great, and I just don't. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so do join us, listeners, uh, for next week when we will be discussing. Uh, but with the exclamation mark, I feel like I have to shout it. Kablam. <laughs> But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, and cheerio. Don't forget to donate to the Wheelie Big Quiz. Yes, please. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.